0: Hi everyone, welcome to Murders in Paradise. I am Jen, joined as always by Jaredad. Good evening. How's it going, Jaredad? Pretty good. Are you ready to talk about murder?
1: I'm always ready to talk about murder.
0: We're talking about actual murder this week. Oh. oh. No ghosts. What? No hauntings. No... Murder, adjacent crime, straight up murder—the
1: good stuff.
0: Yep, Uh, this one has a few gruesome details in it. Just warning ahead of time.
1: I'll try to restrain myself. All right. Oh, you weren't warning me. Well, I mean,
0: (laughs) (laughs) you too, Jared There's going to be some Mm -hmm. gruesome details here, but for Mm -hmm. everybody listening, Mm -hmm. uh, not a ton. I mean, I try not to get like real deep into that. I get scared. I mean, I don't know, do you? Yeah. Okay. It's 1963. Wow. Rod what, what month? April. April of 1963. Roger Foster, a 17-year-old from Griffin, Georgia, checks himself into the Royal Palms Motel near the Key West Charter Boat Docks on Tuesday, April 9th, 1963. So the charter boat docks are kind of... Well, we've been over there where the turtle crawls and there's Mm -hmm. all those boats over there. Okay, so Tuesday, April 9th, 1963. He checks in there. On the same day in Griffin, Georgia, where he's from, the police list him as a missing person because he's only 17 and he's not at home. Okay, so that's Tuesday, April 9th. Okay. Thursday, the manager goes into the motel room where roger foster had been staying and he finds a blood spattered bed Eesh. And he calls police they investigate and they find a bloody crumpled suicide note in the wastebasket that says i think i'm insane and then it says do not publicize my death be careful when you tell my father because he has a bad heart and it also says, when you find me, my face will be mutilated, so please don't let anyone see my body. Good. But his body's not there. He's not there.
1: That's really grim, though.
0: There's some blood on the mattress. There's a suicide note. They also find some literature from the American Nazi party in his room. Ugh. So we're talking about a real winner here. I mean, maybe he was just curious. But still, no.
1: But it, he wasn't just picking up a pamphlet from the airport.
0: There's, there's nothing really to be curious about, about Nazis. fucking assholes
1: in 63 it was even more clear
0: yes indeed people still remembered quite close to then yes um okay so this is thursday april 11th so as the manager is finding this in the motel room the charter boat dream girl leaves key west with roger foster and a father and son Duo, the Trevors, who own the boat on board. So Roger Foster, 17, has basically chartered this boat to take him on Thursday, and they're supposed to be gone for like six hours. So another fisherman says he saw the dream girl, quote, streaking away from the Key West area around 6 p.m., but this is like when they're supposed to be back
1: that's a weird time to leave
0: so it's weird i mean it's not like streaking out of the harbor or the right like it's just going away from key west so there's another fisherman out he sees the boat out in the water yeah. going the wrong way
1: but it's going to be dark soon and you're heading away from key west right yeah it's
0: not good if you're supposed to be getting in at 6 p.m and you're out in the ocean heading away that's not good yeah an hour later, around seven PM, the Coast Guard picks up this partially garbled radio message that says something like Dying Man on board. Oh, and then there's other radio messages that they say were broadcast by someone who really wasn't familiar with operating a radio with what they called eerie screams of emergency, emergency, emergency that other fishermen picked up. Yeesh. And so This is not good. So the boat obviously has not returned to harbor at 6 p.m. when it was expected. You got these weird radio messages kind of broken up, screaming on there. So the Coast Guard starts a search for the dream girl. Um, So Thursday is when it went out. Friday night, they finally spot it. There are planes searching for it, and a plane spots it um, in the Nicholas Channel. It's 20 miles north of Cuba, out by the Marquesa Keys. Wow. Uh, so they send out a patrol boat from Key West to pick up the Dream Girl. Uh-huh. Chief Brody is clearly made quite thirsty by <laughs> his news.
1: This is the ocean noises that he's making. Yeah, he
0: he really is a vigorous drinker.
1: <laughs> There's a lot of surf.
0: Okay, um, all right. So we're on Friday. The uh, the cutter gets to the Dream Girl. The deck is spattered with blood. Uh. The only person on the boat is the 17-year-old Roger Foster. Oh, boy. Who says to the two Coast Guard guys, I murdered them and threw them overboard.
1: Well, that's pretty good.
0: Yep. Um, So they pick him up, pick up the 17-year-old. They're towing the boat back in. Um, The boat's out of fuel. Mm. So uh, they're towing it back in. They've also got the guy uh, the 17 year old Roger Foster. And then of course, who's missing is Douglas Trevor and Edward Trevor, the captain and his son, Douglas Trevor's 47. Edward Trevor is 22. Mm. Um, clearly have been murdered. There's blood all over the place. The dude said he The guy they, says that yes. he murdered them. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so news is getting around. That this boat has been missing, you know, it's, it's only supposed small to be a missing thing. It is so. There's at least a hundred people waiting on the dock when the Coast Guard cutter gets back. Pissed off people, <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: because sure the the Nortons were well known. Trevors. the, the Trevors were well known in the community.
0: <laughs> yes, they were. They were well known, well loved. The guy's a you know good boat captain. Yeah. Um, so everybody kind of hears what's happening. They're all waiting there. Um, the FBI and Key West police officers are waiting on the dock. They describe Roger Foster as a husky youth wearing a T-shirt and pants stained with blood. Uh, he's They hel- held him on the Coast Guard cutter for about 15 minutes. And then basically he's got a FBI guy on one arm and a Key West cop on the other arm. And they take him very quickly into his own a, a waiting car yeah. yeah um it's noted that his arms are all bandaged up as well so he clearly cut himself in the process um <sighs> yeah so you know there's a little bit of they're trying to figure out who has jurisdiction over this is it the fbi whatever none of that i've really watched matters enough
1: here. procedurals to know it's the fbi <laughs> they just say they have a, they have jurisdiction international waters jurisdiction
0: Uh, So in the meantime, they have called the parents of Roger Foster, who flew into Key West from Georgia. Uh, His dad is a pretty wealthy physician, it sounds like, uh, but who has a bad heart, indeed. And so uh, they're... You know, and they don't really know what happened at that point, right? They know that, like, they found a suicide note in the kid's room. The kid's obviously... I mean, he's run away, right? He's still in high school. He's 17. He's run away to Key West. Man. Um, Parents knew that he was having trouble, which is why they reported him missing right away. Um And then, you know, they just know that there's these weird calls and then the boat that he had chartered is missing. So that nobody really knows what's going on at this point,
1: except that he, the coast guard guys are the, coast guard guys know. the thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But the family doesn't know. Right. 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 Point. They're just waiting. Okay. So we have QS Naval physician because of course the Navy base is there. Um, he kind of shows up when all of this is going down and apparently knows Dr. Foster who maybe had been in the Navy before, but seems to know the guy. Um, and he's like, I'm going to tell him tomorrow because he needs to rest because he's got a bad heart. So, uh, you know, I think everybody knows, okay, like maybe a murder happened, but the, the doctor is going to, the Navy doctor is going to tell the doctor dad later. Um, and there's like, okay, so this kid maybe is an American Nazi and, why is he down here? So they start talking to the mom and the mom says that he's a brilliant boy who seemed to have stranger ideas. And, and they were so worried about him that they took him to a psychologist, which was not as common in 1963 as it is now. Um, And the mom says maybe he was trying to get to Cuba and go after Castro on his own. So apparently, Roger Foster, 17, tried to start an anti-communism club in his high school. Um, And then also he hurt his knee. And so he couldn't do sports. And his mom's like, yeah, well, you know, that maybe made him run away. So.
1: Those are about the same.
0: I mean, I. It seems like the parents are taking very seriously the fact that their kid is not real stable, that he's got this Nazi propaganda. He's trying to start this anti-communism club. He's kind of railing about Castro. You know, they're taking him to a psychologist to get help. At the same time, they're trying to go like, well, you know, maybe it's just like he, you know, couldn't play football. And so that really made things hard for him. Um, Anyway, so they arrest him. He's held in the Key West jail over the weekend. And the following Monday, they have him reenact the murders for the police. So they take him out to the boat, the the dream girl that has been towed in, which is still spattered with blood. And so is he. He's wearing the same clothes that he was arrested in, the t-shirt and the pants that are like covered with blood. And then he's showing the officers how he killed the two guys. And he starts with... Uh, Edward Trevor, and he says, this is a quote from the guy, I cut him first across the throat, I he grabbed for my arm, and I ducked and stuck the knife up to the hilt in his chest. He said, please don't do it anymore, and I pulled the knife out and stuck it in his stomach up to the hilt. Then I pulled it out and stuck it in him again up to the hilt. At this point, one of the officers becomes ill. So apparently, the, I mean, obviously like that's really graphic, yeah. uh, but was apparently so dramatic that you know, the officer's getting sick on the boat. So very gruesome. Um, so that's a report like right from the time. There was, I, you know, subscribed to like the newspapers.com archives. And so this is a report from 1963 that, that he did this. Um, a later report said that, all right, so that was his description of killing Edward, the son, who's 22. Oh. Um, a later report says that he hit, Douglas Trevor the dad who's 47 with a flashlight stabbed him with a bait knife and then later stabbed Edward uh as he was trying to call for help on the radio so then Roger says yeah he really had planned to kill himself but then he couldn't go through with it the police you know whooped through what are eventually a lot of hearings and trials are like yeah we don't really believe that part um yeah he does have this whole Castro thing, and so there is a lot of thought that maybe he was going to go, that he thought he'd go to Cuba and kill Fidel Castro by himself.
1: He made it most of the way to Cuba and then ran out of gas, right? That's I mean, of- that's,
0: yeah, that's exactly right, what it seems like, that that he chartered this boat, uh, and then, you know, he decides he's going to go to Cuba I'm sure there's all kinds of crazy stuff. Like he said, at some point he was maybe going to tie the anchor to his feet and jump overboard, but it was too heavy. He wanted to go to remote part of the Caribbean and kill himself. So he's probably acting pretty crazy the whole day and tries to get the Trevor's to take him to Cuba. And they say no. And he somehow gets control over the boat, which is why it was seen heading away from Key West at 6 PM when it should have been coming back to Key West. That's the guess. Yeah. Uh, he did in a jail cell interview, this is not like the next day, but at some point while he's waiting, told a newsman, this is what it says in 1960, told a newsman he had no remorse and didn't feel bad about killing the father and son, even though they had been nice to him. He did say he wanted to go to the electric chair though. And this is a consistent thing. Like he's the whole time that he's like in jail and going through trials. He's, uh, even though he pleads not guilty, tells his parents that he wants to be executed. Hmm. God, I mean, guys got issues, clearly.
1: Duh. Yeah. Uh.
0: So he does eventually plead not guilty by reason of insanity in 1963. So this was April '63 with the murders. In September of '63, uh, he was found not competent to stand trial. He was committed to a mental hospital. He spent seven years there. And in 1970, uh, he's like, yeah, I'm better. So let's do this. Um. <laughs> uh, so they have a sanity hearing. He's rearranged charged with the murder of Douglas Foster, the dad, um, and does end up standing trial for it. Uh, So he pleads innocent by reason of insanity. Uh, They have a psychiatrist come in that says he absolutely at the time could distinguish between right and wrong. Um, He just didn't really act right. Um, He said that, Roger Foster justified the slaying on the grounds that the father and the son stood in the way of him getting to Cuba where he planned to assassinate Cuban Prime Minister Fidel Castro. He wanted to be recognized as a great man and had no regard for the consequences, said one witness. Um, this doesn't work. On January 15th, 1971, uh, he is found guilty of second-degree murder and he's sentenced to life in prison. Okay, so this is a very dramatic story. Yeah. Okay. So here's a little twist. So I was like, okay, well, wow, that's, like, very dramatic. This guy, I mean, who clearly has some mental health issues, uh, you know, is kind of crazy, but also sort of knows what he's doing, you know, kills these people because they get in the way, you know, the whole story is sort of dramatic, the end, all right, he's found guilty of murder, and then I'm kind of, I'm always interested, like, you know, this was 1963, you know, he was, he was eventually tried in 1970, you know, into 71, is he alive still, right? He would have been born in 1950 and 1946 forty-six-ish. so he could totally still be alive. And, um, he's not in the Florida prisoner system, which Mm. means he could have died or he could have been released. He's not on parole, but he could have been released a while ago, right? You can get a life sentence and get out pretty fast and not be on parole. Yeah. Who knows? So he's not in that system. So I was just doing some other searches to see if there's any other news of him. And in 1977, i I see all this stuff about him again and just see these these little blurbs, you know, like one paragraph blurbs in the newspapers. That's like uh, Bloodworth, who's a guy, Mr. Bloodworth. He's a he's a lawyer is assigned as the prosecutor for Roger Foster in a murder. Hmm. The, all right. This is the guy yeah. that we've been talking about. He was sentenced to life in prison in 1971. In 1977, there's all these blurbs that this guy, I think from Palm Beach, has been assigned as the prosecutor for the murder. And I'm like, he already was tried for the murder. Did he kill somebody in prison? And then the, the blurbs are like super vague. And it's like he was, he was previously tried for a murder in like a similar situation or something. So it turns out he writes a letter the state officials from the prison in august of 1976 and he's like i'm really just curious about this pending charge and they're like oops we forgot to try him for killing the son (laughs) the headline is officials didn't know where he was
1: (laughs) oh yeah that's tough to track him down i guess man they
0: like They sent him to the mental institution and then he gets out and I guess they're like, we're trying him for killing the dad and then just nobody thought about trying him for killing the son. And I guess nobody looked into it. They just didn't know where he was. What? Uh, It said it real big across the top. Officials did not (laughs) know where he was. (laughs) He was in jail and he writes to them going like, what's up with this pending charge? And they're like, Yeah, we should try you on that. And so uh, he got tried for that in 1977 and uh, I believe was
1: also found guilty. (laughs) Since he admitted to it. Yeah. Since he kind of rang the bell to be like, hey, guys, 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 try me. Yeah. Uh, Weird. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So they, they're basically like, yeah, the prisoner revived these charges. Like he never would have been, not that it really mattered, right? But he never right. would have been tried for killing the son, except he's like, are you going to do anything about that? And they're <laughs> like, yeah, okay. Thanks for reminding us. This we is untidy. Do that. Yeah. It's like the the student who's like, are you going to give us that assignment?
1: You forgot to give us homework.
0: Ugh, that's what you like. You forgot to try me for murdering the other guy. What? What? <laughs>
1: It's such a weird system where that kind of shows insanity, but that's like not enough to be insane.
0: Yeah. So, uh, in any case, I, uh, I don't know what has happened to him. I could not find any death like notices in the newspaper. There are two, um, death certificates for a Roger L. Foster, um, one from 2008 and one from 2017, both from the same place. I was not able to order those. Like they would have to print them and send them to me. No. So no. who knows? Yeah. Uh, he's not in jail anymore though. Cause you can search the whole, uh, offen- uh, prisoner system, the whole department of corrections. So people who are on parole, people who are in jail, people who are being held in County jails, everything. Uh, so he's not there, but I don't know. Uh, And sometimes, like, you'll see, like, they have a release database Hmm. that you can search. And so it'll show you, like, when prisoners were released. And if they die, they get marked as released. Oh. Right, because their bodies are released from jail. Um, He's not in there. But that, I think the deaths don't go back all that far. So who knows why? But he's not in jail anymore. And there you go. That is this very dramatic case. There's great pictures of this boat. Uh, so this story actually kind of popped up for us because we got a this date in Key West history uh, at the bottom of the Conch Life newsletter that we get every day, and it had a picture, and I think it was the sentencing or the conviction date for the guy. He was finally convicted on on, like, April 17th of 1971 or something.
1: So... Big story for a Little Town.
0: Yeah. Very dramatic. Very blood. dramatic.
1: Also interesting forensics to be like, we're just going to keep him in his bloody shirt and keep the boat all bloody. And then three days later, we're going to have him reenact it. That's, yeah. I'm fine. If the guy actually does, it. it is a good way of ensuring that you're going to be able to convict him.
0: Yeah. I probably wouldn't have it anymore. Oh, there, yeah. there are like, there's some forensic files like from the nineties where they have like, home vhs footage that cops took of people like in the house where like the husband shot the wife in bed like reenacting because the husband says oh it was a mistake i was sleeping with the gun under my pillow and I accidentally oh. shot her and they have him reenact it like in the bed where the wife got shot so that, that's,
1: that's interesting that's like testing the alibi right but this is just like confirming yeah. that he did it yeah man if he had a lawyer his lawyer would have said no 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 we're not doing that
0: yeah no kidding
1: maybe he refused the lawyer
0: yeah, who knows? I mean,
1: the guy was apparently—he
0: was crazy. He—I I mean, he was right. Like he was committed. Yeah. He was committed for seven years. Right. Uh, but yeah, knew better. what he was doing was wrong. Of
1: course. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You ready for a dog palate cleanser? Uh, yep. March thirtieth, twenty twenty. So this is a fairly new one. A man allegedly teaching his dog to drive was arrested after leading troopers on a high speed chase. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, There are many versions of this story. This one's from CNN.
1: Who was driving at the time of the chase?
0: Well, let me give you the story. (laughs) A man was arrested Sunday after leading troopers on a high-speed chase with his dog sitting in the driver's seat. (laughs) The man is from Lakewood, Washington. He hit two cars on separate occasions and failed to stop both times, leading troopers on a high-speed chase up Interstate 5. No injuries were reported in either crash. He was driving very erratically. Multiple people called 911. He was driving absolutely recklessly the pursuit ensued at 109 miles an hour
1: wow one
0: of the troopers attempted to corner the suspect's car looked inside and realized a pit bull was sitting in the driver's seat while the suspect steered
1: i'd see i i think someone must have been on the gas pedal because the <laughs> pit bull doesn't have legs that long that's true maybe it was a brick maybe that's why they were going so fast or cruise control
0: At some point, he uh, left the road and went on to, like, a biker runner trail.
1: Well, because squirrel.
0: I mean, fortunately, there was nobody on it. Uh, (laughs) They used spike strips, and that ended the pursuit. They they asked him what the hell he was doing, and he said he was trying to teach his dog how to drive.
1: (laughs) He was doing a crappy job.
0: The cop says, I wish I could make this up. I've been a trooper for almost 12 years, and wow. I've never heard this excuse. I've been in a lot of high-speed chases, I've stopped a lot of cars, and never have I gotten an excuse that they were teaching their dog how to drive.
1: I mean, the evidence shows the dog was driving.
0: Washington State Patrol charged the man with reckless endangerment, hit and run, driving under the influence, shocker, and felony eluding. His bond was set at 8500 and he's set to appear in court on March 30th. As for the dog, the police said... The dog was, quote, a very sweet girl and was taken to the animal shelter after her owner was arrested.
1: No, that's nice.
0: So, dog not facing any consequences from... She's innocent. ...her experience learning how to drive. She,
1: the dog is totally innocent. <laughs> Case dog's came. like, this is the most exciting thing that has happened to me in my life.
0: <laughs> wow. Imagine sticking your head out the window at 109 miles an hour.
1: The guy was reaching over and steering. <laughs> oh my god! No wonder he went off the road.
0: Yeah, well, he couldn't reach the brake, probably either. Right? He right. Could only hit the gas because He like might a have far had the
1: cruise him. control, but that doesn't have a brake on it. Yeah, yeah
0: hundred nine. Can you set the cruise control at one hundred and nine miles a I mark? have not tried. Yeah, I well. t- to be honest, <laughs> don't don't try that.
1: But I'm not teaching any of our dogs to drive. No,
0: that would be bad.
1: think is a driving instructor, I think.
0: <sighs> She's just an Uber driver.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> standards are different
0: (laughs) well everyone uh stay at home wash your hands be good and until next week don't conk out
1: don't conk out bye bye